the boards in front of the 200. Dr. Grayson, Sedestin are challenging and better loosen up on the extreme outside. Sedestin and better loosen up have come away. They're fighting it out. Better loosen up on the extreme outside is roaring clear and better loosen up wins the Sajano. Sedestin second. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. In 2019, a horse race called the Golden Eagle swooped onto the Sydney racing scene just like the bird of prey after which it is named. The first two editions of the new four-year-old race carried $8 million. Last year it went to $10 million and it's the same this year. 10% of that prize money will go to charities nominated by the owners of Golden Eagle Runners. Colding overcame a chequered passage to win the first Eagle for Chris Waller and Glenn Boss less than a month after winning the Epsom. In 2020, 18 four-year-olds slogged through heavy nine going with victory going to Godolphin's Colette who'd won the Oaks in her previous preparation. It was a magic moment for young jockey Kobe Jennings, whose weight problems are well documented. Colette beat another mare, Ice Bath, who would go on to run four Group 1 placings before finally winning at the elite level two years later. There's a sad aspect to the 2021 edition, won by I'm Thunderstruck, snatching victory in the last few strides from Count de Rupee. By a bizarre twist of fate, both of those wonderful horses have since passed on. I'm Thunderstruck died following knee surgery this year, while Count de Rupee suffered a cardiac arrest in a Kembla jump out in 2022. Last year it was expat New Zealander I wish I win. The horse born with a twisted foreleg. It hasn't worried him because he was gallant in beating quality mare Fan Girl. Part owner and trainer Peter Moody was delighted to renew his association with jockey Luke Nolan, the black caviar combination. Saturday, November the 4th is the date and the Golden Eagle will be supported by the Giga Kickstakes, the Rose Hill Cup and the four pillars as the Sydney Spring Carnival rolls on. Towards the end of the 2019-2020 season, speculation was rife that it was only a matter of time before Tyler Schiller would transfer from the Riverina to a Sydney stable. From the beginning of his career, Tyler had been in the care of Gerildery trainer Phil Sweeney, whose premature passing in April of this year deeply saddened his legion of friends in New South Wales country racing. Phil lived long enough to see his former apprentice make an immediate mark on Sydney racing under the tutelage of Mark Newnham. Tyler arrived at Randwick in July 2020 with close to 100 winners behind him and a healthy reputation as a young bloke going places. In his first full season in town, he rode 51 winners all up and only three in the city, largely due to the fact that Mark restricted him to the provincial tracks. It was a different story the following season when he was crowned champion Sydney apprentice with 45 Metropolitan wins. In the season just gone, he finished fifth in the state with 111 and fourth in the city on 61. And there's a group one on the list to boot. Tyler himself has trouble coming to terms with the fact 
that five years ago, doctors told him he'd never ride again after sustaining spinal injuries in a serious car smash. He still shakes his head when he remembers that he almost followed his father, Glenn, into harness racing. He was fully qualified to drive in races when the vacancy came up with Phil Sweeney. We speak with Tyler less than a week after his 25th birthday and hot on the heels of his second Kosciuszko win in 12 months on the same brilliant horse, Front Page. Tyler, thanks for making time. I know you've had a hell of a week. Yeah, thanks for having me on, John. It's um, a great privilege. Thank you, Tyler. I think we get you on your way home from the Randwick Barrier Trials. Yeah, I've just had a little busy morning, um, but all worth it. Thanks, mate. Let's talk about this horse front page. He just broke their hearts in this year's Kosciuszko with sheer blistering speed. Speed out of the gates and an explosive kick coming up the rise. He's exciting to watch. Is he exciting to ride? Yeah, he really is. Um, he gave me, he's given me three winners from four rides and a very narrow second in a second town plate um, this year after doing it tough. And he's he is explosive, especially on the weekend. He quickened nicely up the rise. And when I let him go and gave him full rein, I yelled, get up, Gus, and he just found a few more lengths. And, um, mm. yeah, he's, he really is an exciting horse. Good horses like Opal Ridge and Far Too Easy were ridden quietly in the Kosciuszko. They both ran well, but you can't give this horse too much start. He was just off and gone. Yeah, I think the only way they would have beaten him if, is, is they were, if they were sat right on his heels and mm. they were never going to do that after his gate speed and early burn and he just sustained it so well. And... Um, he travels at a high cruising speed, and I think that's what the way he races best when he's allowed to just let roll and keep building momentum, and then he just breaks their hearts and, and mm. quickens in the straight as well. Congratulations go to Matt Dale, who gave the now-retired former trainer, Jeff Durier, full credit. Yeah, he's he's done a terrific job with the horse, and obviously... Jeff's given him a lot of handy hints along the way. I think he's he's not an easy horse to deal with with his feet problems and mm-hmm. being a bit older as well, I think he's only getting a little bit worse. So Matt's done a terrific job to get him there in great order and, um, yeah, fingers crossed he can keep him going for the whole prep. He's going to be hard to place now, Tyler, isn't he? It looks like his future lies at stakes level from this time on. Yeah, definitely. I think he's... He's shown he's good enough at stakes level. He ran in a group one after last year's Kosciuszko and only got beat a length and a half up the Flemington Strait. So mm. I think he's up to it. He just needs to be placed, obviously, in the right ones and, um, yeah, hopefully turn up on the day um, in good order. There's a lovely little sidelight to the Kosciuszko win and I'm letting the cat out of the bag here. Your mum, Susan, was there and obviously wanted to give her boy a hug immediately after the race. Now, the gatekeeper wouldn't let her in, so a friend actually lifted her over the fence. Motherly love far outweighs race course security. (laughs) It was so good to see her straight after the race, and um, my girlfriend's brother actually lifted her over the fence, and he's a pretty big fella, so (laughs) luckily we had a few, few big hitters to 
trial her over and get her in there because, um, yeah, it was definitely great to have her there in the moment. You also won the Historic St Ledger on the day on the French-bred Newmarket-trained Land Legend. You went from midfield to lead going down the back and he just ground them into the dust like so many of the Galileos. He can stay all day. Definitely. He's... um shaping up really well for the for the rest of the carnival i think he's going down to the bendigo cup now and mm. his win on the weekend was pretty superb i thought he just stayed on so strongly and as you saw the last hundred he just drew away from him again once he got to top gear and um yeah he's just far superior to that field on the weekend you've been riding since the start of the new season as a fully fledged jockey but it certainly hasn't stopped you. You're among the leaders, both state and metropolitan. Your weight is very stable at the moment and you've got the support of most leading stables. Pretty good for an old trotting driver. <laughs> for sure. I definitely didn't expect to be coming out of my time with this much momentum and support and I'm very grateful for it. And I think a lot of it goes down to being light and going around and helping out the stables that support me and keeping keeping the bottom level happy while also trying to kick it in, in at the top as well. I think um, I've been helping a lot of stables just keep supporting the bottom ones while, while the top ones keep supporting me as well. And um, on the weekend, I think that showed as I got the ride on James Ferguson's runner and mm. very grateful for his team to give me the ride because... I think being light really gave me a good good opportunity there. You were born and reared at Young, the cherry capital of Australia. You were one of two born to Glenn and Susan Schiller. Your only sibling, Melanie, is a one-off because she has little or no interest in horses. <laughs> yeah, none at all. She's She's half the size and half as light as me and she just doesn't have an interest at all. She got dragged around by a pony when she was a... 13 year old or something and um she's mm. never looked at them since Good i think we we almost turned her back to him when i had a horse called arrived in time and uh, as a trotter and he was very kind and gentle and i think mm. we almost got her back but she's she's still out of the industry that's for sure mm. your dad's a devoted lover of the standard bread and he's trained successfully over a number of years so not surprisingly you were in the trotting sulky from a very early age and it seems that's the way you were headed back then. You were the right build to be a jockey but not really all that interested early days. Definitely. I never got brought up around thoroughbreds so I never um, never really crossed my mind to be a jockey. I more just went into what my dad and pop were doing and wanted to be a harness driver and Obviously, there's not too much money in that, but there's a lot of love in the sport and it's a great, great um, hobby to have. I think it was great fun while it lasted and I definitely wouldn't turn a blind eye to it after racing. I'd, I'd definitely go back to it. Um, mm. I've always had interest in horses and thoroughbreds are a bit bit higher higher end than mm. standard breds, but they're, they're definitely a bit more highly strung as well. Mm, oh, sure. They're a lovely horse to work with, aren't they, the standard bred? They, uh, you'll get an odd rat bag, but overall, Tyler, they're a lovely breed of horse. Yeah, definitely. I love love the trotters. We better give Grandad a shout-out, eh? Peter, 
He's been a lifelong devotee of the trots, and you tell me he owned a couple of handy ones a few years ago. He sent them to Paul Fitzpatrick in Sydney. Yeah, he had a couple go around at Harold Park, and I'm sure he'd be envious of me talking to you because he, he used to love love watching your interviews as a younger man, and um, I used to love watching them with him. Um, mm. But, yeah, he used to have a couple of handy ones, Black Jag and Cherry Time, and... Mm. Um, yeah, he hasn't had a great one in the near future, but hopefully we can find one soon. Mm, cherry time. Not hard to work out where that name came from. <laughs> now, budding harness drivers have to complete 20 trial drives to the satisfaction of the stewards, and you did exactly that. You were ready to go. Yeah, I was all signed off and ready to have my first harness drive, and I probably would have had it on my mate arrived in time, but um, it wasn't to be. I got the call up to go to Phil Sweeney's, and as soon as I could, I hopped in the car and off I went to Geraldry. You certainly did, and Geraldry was probably the last place you expected to be moving to to commence your apprenticeship with Phil Sweeney, who turned out to be a great mate and a great tutor. Geraldry is a quiet little place near the Victorian border, and perhaps it's best known as the only town in New South Wales to come under the influence of the Kelly gang. Yeah, I think um, it was a big shock when I had to go out there. I know Young's not very big, but Geraldry's pretty much a one-kilometre one um, main street and you just go straight through it and there's nothing on the other side either. And <laughs> um, It's like a little truck stop in the middle of nowhere, but I think it was great for me and... Um, my early career, I didn't have any trouble to get into down in, down in that area and, um, yeah, it was a great grounding for my, my career. I presume Phil worked his horses on the Geraldry Racecourse? Yeah, he was one of only two trainers there. The other one was Ross Purcell and I think he had only a handful of horses in work when I was there. Mm. Now we're going to talk about uh, the lowest point in your life so far. I hope it's the last one. You were not far into your apprenticeship and within weeks of your first trial ride when the unthinkable happened. You're a passenger in a car driven by a mate on a wet and slippery road in Geraldry and you say the accident seemed to happen in slow motion. What do you remember of it? Yeah, it was all very slow motion. The The tree wasn't very big but um, it was enough to... When you hit it at speed, it definitely did a bit of damage and it was lucky that it hit head-on right in the middle of the vehicle because if it hit a door, I don't know what would have happened. And mm. um, At the time, I didn't know I broke anything, but I had a bit of stiffness around the pelvic area and mm. thought that might have been my only issue. And as I waited for Phil to get there and then he called the ambulance, um, it just got stiffer and stiffer and... Mm. Um, when I got to Albury Base Hospital, they did, did a few scans and I had a perforated bowel and a fractured spine. So uh, yeah. very lucky to come out of it with only those two injuries, I think. And you were crushed the following morning when the specialist came around to tell you your riding days were over. Not good for your state of mind at that time of life. Yeah, definitely not. As a young person that's always been very active, it was... It was pretty crushing and um, considering all I wanted to do was be a jockey at that point, um, my dream had ended and 
yeah, it wasn't very good in the hospital with mum, but um, mm. we got through there and there was there was light at the end of the tunnel. Now, what did the surgery entail, Tyler? Can you describe it to us? Um, I had a burst fracture of the L3, so I had to get a cage put in and two rods to hold it in place and um, mm. they fused the L2 to the L4 and my bowel, I think they it was a couple of centimetres away from my small intestine, so mm. I was lucky that I didn't have to have a bag. Um, they just cut it, cut the large intestine and stitched it up. And um, Goodness me. Yeah, was very, very lucky and very grateful for the surgery to happen so smoothly, and I came out of it looking like a pregnant man because my belly was that, that swollen. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, the recovery was pretty long about nine months but it was it was very very worth it by the end of it nine months you were back in the saddle yeah and the first week i i rode up one horse on the first day two on the second and by the end of the week i think i was back on about 13 in the morning goodness me isn't youth a wonderful thing yeah, it's terrific how, how quickly you can recover from things. Oh, my God. You got back to work, you got on with the job, no feeling sorry for yourself, and finally the big day arrived. Your first race ride was at a very popular little meeting in April every year at a place called Hilston in the Western Riverina. It's a dirt track, isn't it? Yeah, it's very dirt and um, cracks all in it and rocks, stones. It's... <laughs> One of the one of the bushiest bush meetings I've ever been to, but um, <laughs> it it was a great great track for a four kilo apprentice on a front runner. I know that much because I just sent yeah. the horse and he did the rest. Yeah, a horse called Little Capri, trained by a hobby trainer called Marcus O'Connor, and uh, this must have been a magic moment for you. Stones and rocks and cracks and everything combined. Yeah, I was very lucky, Phil. Phil didn't let me go to the races until I was ready and I think I ended up having about 35 trials, 40 or 50 jump outs at home and in Victoria and mm. when I got to the races, I was ready to just be on a sit and steer and Phil made sure that I got on the right horses. My first 20 rides, I was only allowed to ride one horse a meeting and mm. no maidens. So he had me very placed, placed me very well like a like a good racehorse, I think. And yeah. Um, it got me going very quickly and got a lot of momentum up over the first couple of months of my career. By an amazing coincidence, the trainer we just mentioned, Marcus O'Connor, is currently your official accountant. Yeah, he's a very good one. He's He knows mm. jockeys, so he knows what, what to help with there. And, um, yeah, he's a very great friend of mine. I can talk to him whenever I want. And, yeah, he's... I was very grateful to ride my first winner for him. That Hilston meeting we're talking about was a non-tab, but your great mate and supporter Luke Pepper rightfully claims credit for providing your first tab winner. Can you remember winning a benchmark 58 at Wagga on goal touch, claiming four kilos? Yeah, I think it had about 63 kilos, claimed down to 59 maybe, and... Mm. I had the biggest saddle I could find on it and a lot of packing underneath and um, she gave me a lovely ride. All Luke's, Luke's horses were placed well at that point and he had a lot of really red-hot mares and um, he gave me a lot of opportunities early in my career. Mm. 
Mm. But Gold Touch pretty much just put herself three back the fence that day, peeled out, and she did the rest. I was just flopping on her like a sack of, sack of potatoes, but she <laughs> she quick I don't think so. Yeah. And went in a straight line, which was good. Gold Touch was one of many winners you rode for Luke, as you said. He was based at Canberra at that time, but it was the ever-increasing workers' compensation costs that saw Luke Pepper migrate to Scone, uh, from uh, which base he's had a great deal of success, including the wonderful Mayor Opal Ridge, and we'll talk about her a little later in the interview. Now, Tyler, being based in the bush, you were obviously riding horses of limited ability, but there was one you had a lot of time for, and that was a gelding called Pleasant. Trained by your boss, Phil Sweeney, you won four races on Pleasant, three at Wagga, one at Corowa, and they were all by big margins. Yeah, he was a very big, powerful sprinter, and by Snitzel, he was regally bred for a country horse, and he um, had speed to burn. He usually came out very well, and I think he actually fractured his pelvis as a young horse, so he had a really awkward action on him, but Cheesy was fast and he used to get up to a big cruising speed and you just keep letting him flow. And for an apprentice and especially in one of Phil Sweeney's stable, um, it was a perfect horse for me just to sit on and get a good experience of riding a nice horse in the bush. Um, I think he won a race by about nine lengths at Wagga one day and he was down in the worst part of the track on the fence on a wet track and Mm. He's he was a phenomenal animal and it was just a shame that he had a few injury setbacks because I think he could have been Phil's one to take him take him to the city and sort of make a bigger name for himself. Mm. It was a sad occasion for everybody who knew him when Phil Sweeney uh, passed away in April of this year, succumbing to cancer. He wasn't very old, Tyler, I think 63 from memory much too soon yeah um it was a pretty hard hard day here and that, that happened but um i was gra- grateful that i got to get a lot of support from phil and he gave me a great grounding in my career and even in the later days he was still ringing every now and then and we talk about races going home and um yeah he he supported a lot of people that he had a, two daughters, Sally and Brooke, and they were both great apprentice jockeys in their own right and um, now now into their other careers. But, um, yeah, I couldn't thank Phil enough for what he'd done for me. It was, it was terrific. And he could certainly get one ready, couldn't he? Yeah, he loved having a first-up runner. Um, he mm. never had a punt, surprisingly, but he loved, loved winning races first up. Mm. He was a specialist at it. Mm. He had some very fast horses. When you felt the time was right to go to Sydney, you actually made contact with a few trainers. You did a ring around. How did you land at Mark Newnham's establishment? Yeah, I think um, I lined up Chris Wallers and got a phone call from Will Friedman to go to uh, Richard and Michael, I think, at the time were in partnership. And I had a lot of options and... Um, then one of my friends, Henny Ede from Wagga, that was apprenticed to Tim Donnelly at the time, got wind that I wanted to go to Sydney and Tim Donnelly was great friends with Mark Newnham. So 
I think that's how the relationship came about there. But I was almost in the in the door at Wallers, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, very grateful that I did get to go to Marks. He's a great apprentice mentor, and um, yeah, he gave me a great great grounding into Sydney racing, especially going through the provincial circuit. Well, you're certainly in the door at Wallers currently because he's putting you on fairly regularly. You rode the, that horse in the Cameron at Newcastle recently uh, to victory, democracy manifest. I'll tell you what, Tyler, you could ride for another 20 years and uh, not get a run through the field like the one that horse received. Yeah, it was um, something that you dream about. You, you sort of go for runs any other day and you get held up and look silly, but he made me look like a very good rider that day when he took all the gaps and yeah. all the gaps opened up even. Um, there's a lot of horses that don't take some of those gaps, so for him to take him, he was very brave and, um, yeah, uh, very grateful for the support from the top stables like Chris Waller and mm. um, it makes it a lot easier to ride winners when you're riding good stock. He was absolutely charging when that run came, Democracy Manifest at Newcastle. It would have been a crying shame had your momentum been impeded. Yeah, and he, he changed legs again at the 50 and found another gear. So I think he's he's got plenty more in store. We've just got to wait and see when he can um, unleash again, hopefully tomorrow on Saturday. Mm. Let's talk about your day of days at Rose Hill Gardens earlier this year. Tim Clark had won the Expressway Stakes on Maria Mia for Joe Pride and had then run fourth in the Millie Fox. Then came the Galaxy, in which she had only 51 kilos. You jumped on for the first time. You hugged the rails all the way. Eduardo led. Uncommon James finished up running second and Cannonball third. You went straight along the 18 pence. Yeah, she gave me a terrific ride. A great draw really helped her, and obviously the light weight probably played a big factor in it too. Um, Joe got the mare second hand, and New Haven Park was really good for spotting her on the English Digital and paying not too much for her for a mm. mare that was relatively out of form, but... Um, Joe definitely found her best getting her up to group one level and winning and um, she was a great mare. Uh, mm. I think she she went, went on to not win another race but run really quality races in a couple of group ones up against the top sprinters and mm. hopefully she can breed one just as fast as her because she's um, got a great personality and a great attitude. Mm. They were both good runs. She ran fifth to I Wish I Win in the TJ Smith, not very far away. Then she was just behind the place getters in the Doombin 10,000, won by Giga Kick. You really got on with that mare, didn't you? Yeah, considering I only rode her a small amount of times, she gave me a really good feel and um, makes it easy when you draw good gates like the Galaxy, but you also have to have a horse good enough to take the runs and do what she did. And mm. Yeah, I was probably a bit lucky with the favourite, Uncommon James, getting a little bit held up in traffic, but she was gallant and game near the line and still kept finding, so she's she's definitely going to, be, going to be in my good books for a long time. Your first Group 1 win on Maria Mia coincided 
with a cancer diagnosis your dad had received not long before. All got you a bit on the day, didn't it? Yeah, for sure. I um, came back and showed a bit of emotion after it, but very happy that uh, a couple of months later, Dad got discharged from hospital and the cancer was um, in remission. So very grateful for that to happen. But, um, yeah, it meant a lot to me winning that Group 1, mainly for Dad. It certainly did. And Dad is so well at the moment, he has begun his search for a Miracle Mile winner. Yeah, he's always looking for a fast one. Uh, we've got a baby coming through at the moment, but she's been a bit difficult, I've heard. Oh, dear. Well, you won't have to worry about it. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Tyler, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back to you after this. Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags, or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard breads, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. My special guest is brilliant young jockey Tyler Schiller who's taken time out in a very busy week to talk to us on the podcast. Your early association with Luke Pepper uh, led you to a connection with this Bonnie Mare Opal Ridge. Now your first ride on the filly was in that three-year-old race at Randwick last October on a bottomless track. The meeting in fact was called off immediately after the race. She went through it as though she had an outboard motor strapped on. <laughs> she was like a boat hovering over the water that day. She, <laughs> yeah. The track was horrible and we actually had a meeting in the jockey's room before the race and got told we weren't allowed to race on the inside fence, so we had to stay one off hmm. until the home straight and I actually got forced down there on a about the 600 and I thought, well, if I get suspended, I hope I don't for – I think it was just a rule that we came up with just, just to keep everyone safe. And, mm. um, yeah, very happy that she took the run. She m motored through the wet and um, obviously went on to be a very good good filly and mare this time in. So, mm. yeah, Luke's been a great part, supporter of my career and um, hopefully we can keep the association going. Luke got her straight into the paddock after that Randwick race on the heavy 10 and she wasn't seen again for almost five months. Now, I'll never forget this win. She came back on golden slipper day in the listed Derby Munro stakes on a firm and fast track. You went straight back from a wide gate. You found a needle eye opening in the straight and she fairly exploded 
bloated. They had you pretty tight for a couple of strides there too, didn't they? Yeah, it was a, it was a massive win. She got lo- got a long way back. We weren't we weren't expecting to get much luck from a good, from a bad draw, and um, when we did drift all the way back, I was more worried about having to take off around them. And when all the gaps kept opening in front of me, I just kept poking up up the inside, and then came out in the straight, and was lucky enough to find a gap between Cote and someone else, and. Um, yeah, she burst through. She's got a terrific turn of foot on, on her right day, and um, she put him away like a really terrific horse going forward. Well, it was only a short time later you won the Galaxy on Maria Mia, a double on Golden Slipper Day. Yeah, it was massive. It's sort of like my double on Everest Day. It, they're the days we live for, and, um, mm. yeah, to get the good support from good trainers and, be able to win on great horses on the day. It um, really makes you reminisce about the good times. Mm. You didn't ride Opal Ridge when she won the Luskin Star during the Big Scone Carnival. I think Dylan Gibbons was the rider that day. But you were back on for two runs in Brisbane over their Winter Carnival. You ran second in the Dane Ripper and fifth in the Tats Tiara and they were both good runs. Yeah, the Dane Ripper, she was very unlucky. She jumps, she seems to be jumping a little bit awkwardly at the moment. She just puts herself in a little bit awkward spots. They didn't go quick and she just got stuck wide in that race. I thought she toughed it out really well. The winner came from the 1-1 and just got a really lovely suck run through and she had to do all the bullocking work, found the line strongly, even though she did, did a lot of work and... Then the Tats Tiara, she drew drew complete opposite. She drew a great gate and just got buried back on the fence and didn't have a lot of room in the straight. And it was sort of a day where you had to be down the middle or, or the outer part of the track and she just got held up a bit along the inside and it wasn't to be for her, but um, I'm sure there's a Group 1 win in her somewhere. With you booked for front page in the Kosciuszko, James McDonald had the mount and simply gave you too much start. Yeah, for sure. Front page, as we touched on earlier, he's he's flying and um, for a horse to make up that much ground that she did, I think she's going super enormous as well. But um, yeah, she just had to give him a little bit too much of a start, but I was very grateful that I was on the winner. Another nice stakes race you won this year was a Group 3, the Triskay Stakes, on Pro Kari Kari for Bryce Hayes. You got a lovely run between horses coming up the rise, and she won it really well. Hit the line. Yeah, she was. She's a big, strong mare. She's very round and big, strong hindquarter on her. And I think on a day has a terrific turn of foot. She seems to get back, relax, and when she steamed up between them that day, she was never going to get beat. And I think she beat a nice bunch of mares that day. And. Mm. Just get too much luck next start. She drew awkward and had to go around them instead of through them. And, um, yeah, that, that day was a very big win. Um, I think she's she's got a bit of upside going forward too. You picked up a late ride for the Wallace Stable during that Brisbane visit. You won the Rough Habit Plate on a horse called Special Sway. Yeah, it was a pretty big win that day. He... He jumped well. They wanted me about fifth or sixth, and I think he slotted in fifth, but over-raced a bit with a slow tempo and 
by the time we got around to the 1200 meter mark um being a 2000 meter race i thought we were going a bit steady for for what he was and they told me he was a big momentum horse so i just popped him out and let him slide forward and once he got the lead he he sort of switched off and didn't know what he was doing in front but um Mm. once i put the pressure on him and he took off again from the top of the straight he was very strong through the line and um was a really good staying performance that day you had a couple of race rides on marcha latte for your boss mark newnham you ran second in the Carbine Club. You ran fifth in the Rose Hill Guineas. Mark had a big opinion of that horse, didn't he? Right from the get-go. Hard to believe he only won one race, a Kenzo Maiden. Yeah, Tom Sherry did a lot of riding on him and he never had a lot of luck, but he was always thereabouts and his work never showed that he was a good horse. He always um, was very casual worker, but the way he was on race day, he really switched on and... He was a nice stayer in the making. I think he may have broke down at the end of last prep. But, yeah, um, he's disappeared, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's a lovely, gentle animal um, for a colt. He's one of the quieter colts I've ever, ever dealt with. But, mm. um, yeah, he was very close in a couple of good races, and it's just a shame he didn't pinch one. You thought you'd won another Group 1 at Roundwick this year, but there was a slight miscalculation. You rode Ruthless Dame for Myron Eustace, in a very hot surround stakes and you went under by a thumbnail to sunshine in Paris. You even gave a little fist pump one stride past the post. You thought you'd won. I did and I thought it was my first group one winner and when I came back to the numbers around the other way, I was a bit embarrassed. But um, (laughs) at the time I thought, geez, getting beat by a horse coming out of a Canberra class one and into a Saturday 78 we were probably going under to a pretty um, poor field. But um, mm. when, when she comes out and wins a great race and wins Group 1s and um, went got a slot in the Everest, um, yeah. yeah, we definitely, definitely didn't get beat by, by a regular animal, that's for sure. She's, mm. she's something special, that, that, that mare. Well, Ruthless Dame finished up winning a Group 1 at Morfordville, a little while later, and that was no surprise. No, for sure, especially after that run. Um, she's she's definitely a horse going places, and I think there's more brute wins in her for sure. You've had a couple of rides on Remark, a horse you like a lot. You won the Concord Stakes on him and then finished fifth on the horse in the shorts, a length from Private Eye. You'd think there's another decent race in Remark, wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure, and his first up record so well goes so well. He um he won well first up in the Concord, did it tough, and really dug in late. And he's beat some of the best sprinters in the country in in, in secret and Bella Nipotina. Um, mm. and then obviously in the shorts, probably didn't get a lot of luck of, with room. Um, following overpass through, uh, but I thought. He just, just fell a little bit short in that race. But, um, yeah, going forward, I think he's he feels like he's got a good race in him. There's nothing you like more than getting back to the Riverina when an opportunity comes up. And you got a huge thrill when Mark Newnham sent you to Albury with Harmony Rose last year to win the Gold Cup and win it with ease. That mare hasn't been sighted since. 
yeah, sadly she did a tendon after that race, but mm. she qualified for the big dance and then um, went. I think she was in foal by the time the big dance was run at the end of the year. Uh, but no, nah, she was a terrific mare for me. I think I was unbeaten on her in three or four rides and that cup that day we went there pretty confident that she was going super well at home and um she she definitely showed it she was weighted per- perfectly she had 54 kilos as a 94 raider and i don't think there was anything that day that was ever going to stop her uh, mm, especially no. on a good track mm. well the old connections came out of the woodwork when you walked onto albury racecourse uh, you had rides left, right and centre and you rode the last two winners. You won the cup on Harmony Rose. In the last, you rode Boss Lady Rocks for Ron Stubbs. It was one of those 900-metre short course scampers with the imaginative name of the Flat Knacker. That's a hell of a race name. It is and it's a... Exciting race every year because you get all the speedsters around the area from Melbourne and Riverina and all you do is just put the handlebars down and see who's who's got the toughest horse over 900 because um, Ronnie Stubbs seems to find that every one every year. He, he had it last year and um, he had it this year as well with another horse that I won it on. Um, yeah, he's good trainer, Ronnie Stubbs. He mm. only has a small team down there at Albury, but he do, does a great job. You had a few rides on a very handy horse called Dream Runner for Keith Dryden and you snared the little dance last November. Yeah, and um, funny story with him. I I rode my 80th country winner on him to outride my country claim Mm. at Canberra one day and it was his first start and they thought he was a pretty mediocre horse. He, He went around 50 to 1 and he won by three lengths. And then he came out next start, and he was a dollar sixty, and he won again, and he just kept winning. And um, I think he ended up bleeding in his first or second prep, and had a little spell. Came back and had a lot of lot of city races, and yeah, I was I was grateful to get back on him in the in the little dance, and he got the job done really well up the rail. Now, Tyler, what is your current track work routine? You try to mix it up a bit. Yeah, I've, since coming out of my apprenticeship, I tried to go to every track at least once a week and um, just to see who'd, who'd support me. And um, gladly I've been supported by a lot and have to keep going in. But mostly Warwick Farm, Rose Hill and Hawkesbury have been my three main tracks. But um, I try to get to Ramwick every now and then as well. Well, after a fairly late start in the business and one horrible accident, you've already posted well over 350 winners and you've earned your spot among an elite group of Sydney jockeys. It's a hot jockey's room. At just 25, it's all ahead of you, young fella. Onwards and upwards. And thank you very much for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks, John. It's been my pleasure. 2019, a horse race called the Golden Eagle swooped onto the Sydney racing scene just like the bird of prey after which it is named. The first two editions of the new four-year-old race carried $8 million. Last year it went to $10 million and it's the same this year. 
10% of that prize money will go to charities nominated by the owners of Golden Eagle Runners. Colding overcame a chequered passage to win the first eagle for Chris Waller and Glenn Boss less than a month after winning the Epsom. In 2020, 18 four-year-olds slogged through heavy nine going with victory going to Godolphin's Colette, who'd won the Oaks in her previous preparation. It was a magic moment for young jockey Kobe Jennings, whose weight problems are well documented. Colette beat another mare, Ice Bath, who would go on to run four Group 1 placings before finally winning at the elite level two years later. There's a sad aspect to the 2021 edition, won by I'm Thunderstruck, snatching victory in the last few strides from Count de Rupee. By a bizarre twist of fate, both of those wonderful horses have since passed on. I'm Thunderstruck died following knee surgery this year, while Count de Rupee suffered a cardiac arrest in a Kembla jump out in 2022. Last year it was expat New Zealander I Wish I Win, the horse born with a twisted foreleg. It hasn't worried him because he was gallant in beating quality mare Fan Girl. Part owner and trainer Peter Moody was delighted to renew his association with jockey Luke Nolan, the black caviar combination. Saturday, November the 4th is the date and the Golden Eagle will be supported by the Giga Kickstakes, the Rose Hill Cup and the Four Pillars as the Sydney Spring Carnival rolls on.